really what I've learned now is that, you know, my happiness is not dependent on Bruce or his outcome. It is dependent on my mindset and my beliefs. And that was huge, huge for me, because whether autism is in my life or not, like I know that I choose or I can choose to feel okay. And really, when I started to change and I I started to do all of that, you know, work on myself and, and kind of just release all of that emotions that things really started to change with Ruth and, you know, our whole family. How is it possible for a parent of a child with autism to become the superhero their child needs now? I'm Len. And I'm Cass. When our son was diagnosed with moderate to severe autism, we went all in. We spent over a decade learning everything we could on how we could transform to help our son thrive. And guess what? He's doing it. This year, he ran for class president. Each week on this podcast, we will be sharing the secrets needed for you to become the superhero your child needs. If you want to learn how to tap into your innate superpowers to help your child thrive, visit AutismParentingSecrets.com. Hello and welcome to Autism Parenting Secrets. This week is a first for us. We've had so many incredible guests who have come on and shared their wisdom practitioners and educators and really kind of people out there at the forefront of helping people, trying to empower them with better tools, better guidance. But we've never had an actual parent other than us uh, us on the podcast. Uh, we've never had a parent and to get a parent's perspective. And so this week, we're so excited to have Helen Shanley join us. Helen is somebody that entered our world uh, about three or four months ago, uh, maybe about five months ago, uh, her and her husband wanting to show up and to do as much as they could to help to support their son. And we've just had the honor of witnessing an incredible transformation. And we love to impart, you know, insights that we think are useful. But in this, these last few months, Helen and her husband have taught us so much and just having her perspective of her journey is something that we just really thought would be so incredibly useful to share. So today's episode is going to be uh, Helen and Cass having a conversation. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. And uh, without further delay, I'm going to hand it off to Cass. Thank you. So Helen, like here you are and thinking about where you started to where you are now. Just knowing that our audience is, you know, parents of a child with autism, what's like your big aha that has truly helped you during this kind of time for transformation for your family? I'm actually just loving that introduction from Len. I'm still reading. Like, that's so lovely. So lovely. And really how far we've come. It's just fantastic. But yes, my big thing, and I think we've talked about it before, is the small steps add up to big progress. And I think that has been (laughs) a very, like a huge learning for me because, you know, I think you can often want to radically change your life, you know, and overhaul everything in the space of a week. And it's not practical. It's, it's not feasible and inevitably before we kind of connected with you, like I I would run out of steam 
I, you know, I would do too much. I would not really understand why I was doing something and really kind of just throwing everything at autism and seeing what would stick. So change needs to happen. It definitely needs, well, for me, it definitely happened when I changed first. And, you know, it's small changes. You know, there's no pressure (laughs) because pressure doesn't work. (laughs) Right. Pressure doesn't work. I got goosebumps when you said that. It's about when, you know, you change first and it's about the small steps. But take me back. So when we started working together, I think it was July. And so can you just describe kind of how long you've been in this autism journey? Like how old your, you know, son is? You don't have to give details, but I just wanted just to kind of paint the picture so someone understands where you are and what, you, what you've what you done so far. My son is Bruce. Bruce is five. He was diagnosed with autism, moderate autism, age three. So about, about two and a half years ago, he was effectively pre-verbal. I don't want to say non-verbal because he's speaking now. And really the first couple of years in my head, I can kind of categorize as just that kind of shock, grief, sadness portion of our journey. You know, like it felt like grief when he was diagnosed. It was, I felt so lost, so alone. I was really struggling to kind of change, you know, my expectations of the child I thought I would have, about the life I thought I would have, the life I thought he would have. You know, and around the time we were like, yeah, it was just shock and grief. And really kind of, I stopped working in order to just focus on Bruce in order to try and help him. Because, you know, like like one of the best pieces of advice that I ever received was, you know, don't wait to intervene. You know, start now. Early intervention is key. It's It's not the only key, but, you know, there's no point in kind of, waiting for something to get better. You know, you need to start now. I remember getting the diagnosis and like going out into the street and I just felt this absolute rage. Like, what now? Like, what are we going to do now? In terms of, you know, like there was such finality of, you know, that diagnosis. Here is autism and the best you can hope for is some speech therapy, some occupational therapy, life skills. Hopefully you'll get a place, you know, you're like 2000th on the list of a special school or some kind of special support. And that was it. Like, I mean, you barely had your coat off before you were given the diagnosis and then you were shown the door. Right. And I felt so alone, you know, in terms of education as to what autism was or what it meant you know, if you kind of start scouring the internet and all of these, you know, kind of images that you would have had maybe in your head of what autism was, you know, and autism is so different to each child. And, you know, if you've met a child or a person with autism, you've met a child or a person with autism. You haven't met, you know, what autism is. So, yeah, huge kind of learning curve that was very much self-directed, you know, because like, I don't know what the states are like, but over here, like, we are definitely, <laughs> definitely decades behind in terms of the numbers of autism, you know, but we're certainly on track to, uh, you know, massive epidemic or, you know, pandemic of, of autism. 
it's so funny because I haven't thought of that, you know, in a while because we're in such a different place now. And, you know, like so much of the last couple of years has just been, I'll just call it the grief period for me. You know, there's, there was just such sadness, such grief after getting that diagnosis, you know, and when I kind of decided to take a career break from work and to focus on Bruce and his needs, I really put myself under such pressure to actually help him to either recover him or, you know, to kind of heal him and, you know, I put my career, I, I yeah. stopped working. Yeah, too, because it becomes a full-time mission in a way, at least it was for me to do uh, everything yeah. I could. And, you know, because I had kind of done that, you know, and I was, I was telling the world really that this is what I'm going to do now. I'm going to give up my career. I'm going to put all of my energy, all of my education, all of my drive to this. and. I'm under, you know, I, I have no doubts that we are going to have success here. Nobody panic, you know, nobody worry. And, you know, we did make sacrifices to do that, you know, financially, my own career. But there was this expectation that progress needed to be made because I had done all of that. But, you know, that pressure, I've just learned that it, it just, it doesn't work. And it turned kind of into this that so much of my happiness and so much of how I felt about myself was tied to Bruce and how he was progressing and whether, you know, if he was having a good day, you know, I was having a good day. If he was having a bad day, my day was catastrophic. And, you know, I really thought that him not progressing or him not recovering, that it meant something about me as a person. You know, that, that, that somehow I was a failure. And I think often, right. often parents, <laughs> certainly I can, I can go to that, you know, self-blame, you know, that I've done something wrong here, that this is somehow my fault, you know, something that, you know, maybe I deserve, <laughs> you know, all coming from a place where something is wrong here. You know, something is right. wrong with Bruce. He needs to be fixed. And I, <laughs> super Helen, are going to fix him. You know, and, and it just, it, it doesn't work. It really doesn't. And I guess, you know, the pressure kind of consciously or unconsciously that I was putting on Bruce to change. And you were putting on yourself. And on myself as well. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. Yep. You know, but like... I think we talked about this before, like, would I have wanted to be friends with me? Would I have wanted to connect with me? I mean, imagine the pressure, <laughs> like a little child was kind of being, you know, that I was putting on him. Right. Right. Because, you know, like we were struggling, we were, you know, we didn't know how to deal with this. And it's, it was really the first time in my entire life that I had encountered a problem that I couldn't solve. You know, and, and even now that's kind of hard for me to say because anything that ever came up in my life, I would, you know, apply my education, you know, my intellect, I would apply my drive and it would always be okay. And it was just such, 
such a massive moment for me to just have that failure, what I thought was a failure. And it was really a kind of a crisis of <laughs> of my whole personality, my whole, you know, my whole self. And this is even before we, like, we talk about Bruce's struggles at that time. Like, I mean, this was me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, really what I've learned now is that, you know, my happiness is not dependent on Bruce or his outcome. It is dependent on my mindset and my beliefs. And that, that was huge, huge for me. Because whether autism is in my life or not, like I know that I choose or I can choose to feel okay. And really when I started to change and I, I started to do all of that, you know, work on myself and kind of just release all of that emotions that things really started to change with Bruce and, you know, our whole family. Having witnessed your transformation and having been able to support you during this time, from where you started to where you are now, you're like a completely different person. But, you know, so the benefits for yourself, but then also for your family have been tremendous. Definitely. That was one of the key learnings for me that, you know, if I wanted to effectuate change, change in Bruce, change in our circumstances, change in our family, change in anything, that change must start with me first. And, you know, there's such power in that opportunity to change because you can choose to change and you can choose to believe that you're doing the best that you can and that, you know, Bruce is doing the best that he can. And, you know, in order to kind of let go of all of that, you know, sadness and grief and blame and, and you know, emotion and to move forward because it actually was, you know, in hindsight now, it was keeping me stuck and it was keeping Bruce stuck. I was trying so hard to do all of these things, but actually never quite getting there. And, you know, that's all belief-based, uh, which I now know. <laughs> I have now learned. <laughs> And, absolutely and even understanding yeah so I guess kind of when when we started working with you and like I really started looking at that and looking at myself from March 2018 to kind of summer 2020 that was the grieving period and in order for us to move on in order for us to kind of you know help Bruce in the best possible way and to effectuate change, then I needed to let go of that diagnosis and let go of that whole time for us. And, you know, in order to do that, I had to really understand what autism actually was. And it was Len who kind of really, really helped us understand that, that there's no blood test and, you know, or there's no genetic test that unequivocally tells you that your child has autism. It's simply at a certain point in time that you tick enough boxes that you just qualify for this diagnosis of autism. And, you know, the reason and like that I've learned is so that doctors, you know, conventional doctors can categorize all of these symptoms in order to, you know, treat autism. 
as you mentioned earlier, there's so many, every single child with autism is different and every single family dynamic is different. And so it's kind of as it relates to context. And I think our episode with Dr. Cowan was kind of brilliant with talking about that because here you take a child out of their environment, ask them a series of questions, you know, can you do this, 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 you're just kind of yes or knowing, checking the boxes, as you say, and it's that one point in time. It's not defining your child's future. It's capturing what it was like at that moment. And then so often that diagnosis then just keeps carrying with us. And what you say about the burn letter, which actually I showed your burn letter photo to Dr. Bush yesterday. <laughs> I was like, but I was like, there's so much power here by just setting it free, knowing that this letter, this doesn't define you. It doesn't define your child. It doesn't define their future. And the future is limitless. So if a one piece of paper has all the power, mm-hmm. then let that piece of paper go. Taking those boxes at a certain point in time meant nothing about what the future would look like for Bruce. And for me, there was, it's like, that was a real aha moment. And, you know, there was such power in that. The finality or the foregone conclusion of what I thought autism was, was just gone. I had left that diagnosis and I, I'd even let the word autism have such power over me and have such power over my interactions with my child. And once I realized that, like it, it, it was quite mind blowing, <laughs> I have to say, hugely so. And so I decided to write the, the autism burn letter and I kind of, I dug out all of the reports that we would have had at the time, all of the diagnoses, and I read through them. And even before he's had this explosive progress these last couple of months, he is entirely different to what he was two years ago. You know, and there was all this doom and gloom and IQ levels and challenges and struggles, and it was just so negative. And there was nothing about kind of maybe what you could do, you know, maybe there you could actually effectuate change. And then I put that in my, you know, burn pot. <laughs> and then I wrote my own letter to autism. And I I thanked autism, you know, I thanked autism for what it has taught me these past few years, you know, for what I have learned, for things that I have learned that I don't think I ever would have learned had it not been kind of, you know, in our lives. And I I said, thank you, but we don't need you anymore now. You know, and I, and I, I let you go. And it sounds simple, you know, it sounds like ridiculously simple, but that one thing, that one, you know, activity was so hugely powerful for me. You know, I, I cried my eyes out for hours after it. It was like this relief, you know, it was like this weight off my shoulders was gone. All of that sadness, all of the grief, the blame, you know, everything, the, the guilt, it was just gone. You know, I, I didn't have to carry autism around anymore. You know, it, like, it, it doesn't mean anything for me. Yes, my child has some challenges. Yes. But, you know, 
I know what to do there. <laughs> and yeah, so, and then really after that, it was kind of like I decided in my head that, you know, things are going to change now. Now's the time. And, and they have been. They have been hugely, hugely changing. Right before your eyes. Like, like literally right before my eyes. Yeah, right. And, you know, the power of your thoughts and the power of your intention, like, think it and it happens, you know, like whatever the saying is, you know, like your thoughts matter. You're, what, what you're sending out to the universe is what's happening in your life. And once you let go of autism, once you say goodbye and thank you, I am literally on a daily basis seeing autism go. <laughs> like if that makes sense. Yeah. And I've been witness to what you've shared as relates to the changes that you've seen in the what Bruce with now making friends at school, climbing trees with other kids, like wanting connection with every one of his family members and even what relatives like talking to strangers like like what like who is this child you know and I guess yeah it really all started with with me and my husband obviously (laughs) I have to give him some credit (laughs) no but the partnership of you guys also doing it together because I feel like you have a strong relationship, but you guys all got to come together with something that's important for you and align your goals in a way for, you know, your son, for Bruce, as to what mutually you were going to do together and the support you needed to support each other, because that is truly powerful. I know, you know, for Len and I, having doing this together for Rye was a game changer because that way, you know, I was seen, I was heard, he was seen, he was heard, and we could do this as a team, which, you know, is if you can, it's amazing. It, it only does, as you've been saying, though, one person changing and releasing and not letting it define, you know, can also do it too. But it is, there is power in the couple together too. Absolutely. And, you know, it's that united front as well. You know, like if you're asking your child to connect to you, you know, you want to connect as a family, you, you know, part of our job is to inspire our children by leading by example. If I want him to connect, then I have to connect. I don't have to. Then I choose to connect. I, nice. I choose to connect with Paul and work with autism together. You know, and hey, Bruce, look, this is what it is. This is connecting. This is choosing to do that. And, you know, modeling what you want to see (laughs) is brilliant because, like, that changes the whole family dynamics as well. And everybody wants to connect then. And, you know, it's it's a safe space. Oh, my God. I have goosebumps. I have tears. I'm just, like, so excited. And the I just have to say one thing, too, is one thing I remember vividly is how you, whenever you see a hurdle, you always treat it as an opportunity. So I know when we started, it was the kitchen was, like, overwhelming and scary and Bruce was a, what you would say is a picky eater, but now that has changed dramatically. Hugely, hugely so. Like, I guess understanding for me, once I had released the emotion, once I had released all of those beliefs, it was kind of like I could 
you know, I could face Bruce's challenges remarkably logically and, you know, educate myself, you know, without the emotion, without kind of that hanging over me. And then it just became really simple. Not simple. Yeah, I don't mean simple, but it, it, it became <laughs> really simple, clear. <laughs> no, it became really clear. Yeah. You know, and I kind of, I, I often tell myself, the body knows what to do. And when I think back to when I was pregnant with Bruce, and I often think of this, that like, I didn't wake up every day <laughs> and kind of discuss with my stomach what we were going to do that day. You know, today we're going to grow the feet. And next week, I think we'll progress on to the arms and the hands. You know, you didn't micromanage that. Your body knows what to do. And Bruce's body knows what to do. And, you know, I, I kind of realized that my job, you know, is to give his body the optimal conditions in order for it to do what it's meant to do, to heal, you know, to function effectively, optimally, and really kind of, and you know, it's, it's designed to heal itself. Like the body is a phenomenal, you know, like vehicle. And it's, it's such a powerful ally. And once you give it what it needs, it knows what to do with that. So when I kind of understood that, and coming back to kind of, was it Patricia Lemer, you know, take the bad stuff out, put the good stuff in. And food for us has been foundational. It has been the kickstarter for most of our progress. Because once you take out you know, I call it the three G's, you know, there's more, but like this, you know, glyphosate, gluten and glutamate. <laughs> I didn't even know like those three words, you know, three months ago. Well, I knew about gluten, but yeah, like once you literally take out those things, you know, and there's different things like dairy and soy, you know, GMO, well, that, that could be the four G. I'll do it it, yeah, I was going to say, there's four your four G's. G's. <laughs> we'll do this soundbite, there's four G's. <laughs> So there's glyphosate, so organic food, you know, glutamate, which is basically in every single item of processed food, unless you are hypervigilant, gluten and GMO. So, Mm -hmm. you know, once we took that out and once we started, you know, minimizing toxins, like we're, we're doing homeopathy, we're, you know, once you take all the bad stuff out, put the good stuff in, then you have a foundation to build on because if you try building when the foundations are, are unstable or they're rocky it's always going to be rocky and literally day by day with food we have seen progress and Bruce was a very very picky eater you know and I had this fear I had this fear of of cooking and you know he's going to starve if I don't give him what he wants and <laughs> <laughs> and I would have thought we would have had a reasonably good, you know, diet. But, you know, but then once you start believing in yourself, knowing that you can do it and taking small steps. Steps. Yeah. You know, massive, massive message for other parents. Small yeah. steps. And I promise you, they will add up to big progress. Because you don't go from, you know, whatever you're eating to like the kale smoothies within a week. And if you do try that, which I have done, I could talk from experience. If you do try and 
you know, press the fast forward button, ultimately you're going to run out of steam, which I have done. And, you know, you're setting your child up for failure in that respect. It becomes unsafe for them. And it kind of goes back to what you said earlier about like, would I have wanted to be friends with myself back then? You know, as a parent, would my child want to be friends with me? And no, because you're just telling them what they're doing wrong. And the whole Mm -hmm. idea of creating a safe connection to food too. So like you said, the small steps, I like to say baby steps, but all of those little things. So take something that they like and change one element. And then do it over time just so you can have safety in the connection so they're not bombarded and they don't know what to do. And then they reject it. And then you are frustrated because you spent five hours trying to make something (laughs) that they reject, which is like you're totally setting yourself up for failure and you're setting your child up for failure. And that's why there is such power in the baby steps. But yeah, getting rid of that bad, unhealthy stuff and really focusing on how do you make each bite more and more nourishing. So, oh my God, amazing. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, like vegetables and colors and that kind of thing, like like we are still at the stage of, you know, I call it ninja food. Like he's eating a sauce, but there's like 12 different vegetables in it. But yeah, making it work for your child, taking something, as you say, that, that they like, and just, you know, covert cooking, hiding stuff in it. And, you know, I'm sure we will move on to the steps where he will be open to new things. But, you know, three months ago, he wasn't eating rice. Like he would run from it. But now he eats like bone broth, homemade bone broth rice, you know, with loads of vegetables, you know, wrapped up in a little um like a spring roll or or even a cast cake. (laughs) We eat a lot of cast cakes here, (laughs) (laughs) you know, with the rice and everything. And, and everything has a substitute, you know, like we can still have cakes and we can still have everything. You just, you just, but how about those cookies you're making? You're making like cookies out of broccoli. Yes. Yes. Uh One of my food goals was that at every sitting of food, he would have vegetables. So it was about finding different ways to actually put them into his diet. And he adores cookies, you know, and now he has broccoli cookies, <laughs> cauliflower cookies, like all of these different vegetables. He's still a little weird on green, but we're working on it. But yeah, absolutely. Like he had mashed potato. Now he has mashed potato with mashed carrot, parsnip, cauliflower, broccoli, all mixed in. And, you know, it looks like something that he eats. You know, he's he's connected more to me and I think he trusts me more and he feels safe in what I'm asking him to do. But one of my favorite things that you did is you had you had texted me and you had told me that you had served something and then you're like, voila, and you walked away like you didn't care because you <laughs> yeah. didn't want to put the attention there. Like, <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Well, that comes back to that pressure, doesn't it? You know, that unconscious right. pressure. If somebody right. like put a sugar snap pea in front of your face and was like, are you going to eat it? And just staring at you. <laughs> You'd be like, no, I'm not. Go away. Whereas, you know, like you will dig your heels in and, you know, you do put that pressure on. And I think that day, like I was literally sweating. There was like flour all over my hair. I had been like killing myself in the kitchen and was like, ta-da, 
you know, presented this plate of food and like stood there, like holding my breath, watching him <laughs> to, to eat it. And he was like, it looks disgusting. I don't like it. And I like had to walk away and not cry, you know. <laughs> and then, but then the next time, you know, it was like, here you go. And I just went back about my business. And even now he will be like, oh, I don't like it. And I just go, well, that's okay. You don't have to eat it. And I just walk away and eat it. Like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, reverse psychology tactics or something. But it is. It's like, yeah, it's like if I'm going to, mom's watching, oh, there's so much pressure there. I remember I still have trauma from like a family <laughs> meal when I was like 12, we'd company over and he cooked Indian food for us. And I, at the time, was not a spice person. And he stared the the person who cooked stared and watched us clean our plates. And like, we weren't allowed to leave the table until we did. And can I tell you, that was like a four hour meal. And my sister and I still have trauma about this because it was like, it was so gross, but there was so much pressure there. And that's what, if you think about it, if you hover, you're kind of giving your kid pressure without your intentions not to, but they're feeling pressure. And our kids, as I know you know, are such energetic beings that they feed off of even the things we don't even know that we're doing. They feel it. There's so much there. So yeah. Like absolutely. And I really do think that's why we are seeing such progress because I am different. I'm calmer. I'm more connected. And I'm happier and just kind of freer. And that's it. Like I could use those exact words to describe Reese now. You know, and, and that mother and, and child connection is, is massive, which makes it so much more important that you take care of yourself. And that was another big one for me was, was self-care. Because, you know, I think whether it was that superhero complex or, you know, but I would run myself into the ground gladly and sacrifice everything to help to save my child you know and like it it was like a badge of honor it was like look how exhausted I am I'm a great mother you know and really and truly that does not work no because you want to be on top of your game exactly you know you need to take care of yourself you need to be the best so that your child can be the best because let's face it, our children are different. They have different challenges. They need a lot more support, you know, and for us to be able to do that and to give that support, we need to be at our best. And, you know, that's a key thing that I've learned. So for moms listening or dads too, from a self-care perspective, are there any things that you're kind of you spend a little bit of time on each day. Like how would you, cause I know self-care is so important, but I think it also goes to small steps too, because with anything, getting your nervous system on board as well. So, you know, do you have a practice that you are liking more now than others or like what would be a simple recommendation? Yeah. I don't know. Like listening to a podcast or just cooking is actually self-care for me because you know, I do it by myself. I put on a podcast. I love listening to what I'm listening to. And I'm making this healing food for my children. You know, uh, what else do I like to do? I mean, it's cool. Oh my God. I love, Helen, I love that. But think about it. Cause before you were, didn't love the kitchen. 
I did understand the kitchen. I right. knew I, what yeah. was required. But it, again, it was from a pressure point of view. Right. That like, I need to cook the right food. My child has to eat this food in order for me to feel okay. But once you remove that, it's like, yeah, I just, I like cooking. I love cooking. I love whipping up things, you know, that are a bit different. I love trying different things and, you know, just, yeah, having fun in the kitchen. Definitely. But I love that mindset as it relates to, you know what, I'm cooking healing or nourishing healing foods for my family. Like, and that is part of the self-care is because you are doing it with love and intention, which is so beautiful. And so it's kind of instead of like, oh my God, I got to feed them versus like, hey, I'm choosing the to make this food so I can help nourish and heal them. Like that is so beautiful. Yeah. And understanding that that is possible. Like that is something that you have control of. That is something that you can choose to do for your children is to cook. Parents have often kind of asked me like, wow, you know, Bruce is doing so well. Like, you know, what's going on? What's changed? And when I kind of start talking so passionately about food, a lot of the time, you know, that there is some resistance there. But food is foundational. I really don't think that we would be having as much progress had it, had it not been for changing food. No, and I love, you know, and I know, hey, we've been doing food for 12 years and we know what it's done for our family and to see what it's done for your family as well. But it is, it's that, you know, we put gas in our car so our car runs right. But, you know, we don't necessarily really consider that with each bite, we get to choose to nourish. And like you said before about the body knows what to do. It does have innate wisdom, but you need to know that you need to feed it the right food so it knows what to do. And when you feed it something like with the four G's that have a lot of chemicals and things like that's not nourishment, you know? So it's how do you actually choose the right food for your specific family, for your child, you know, and kind of going back. I think we, we are so consumed by convenience nowadays, like, and cooking is actually takes time and it takes effort. So by, you know, prioritizing that and making that part of that foundation is key, especially when you have a child who's has challenges. And food is like, it's totally underrated in terms of, you know, no one talks to you about the kind of, like the difference in our food, even to 50 or 100 years ago. You know, like it, it's not well known. Once you start educating yourself, like your mind's blown about what's going on. You know, and, and I remember talking to probably one of the best pediatricians in Ireland, you know, is there anything else I should be doing? You know, I, I'm looking into diet and I got the no, no. Like we need to start changing the conversation about food because, yeah, yep. it's probably foundational, definitely. <laughs> well, Helen, I have to thank you, but this was amazing. Are you truly running on all cylinders to help your child thrive? Take our free assessment to get your Warrior Parent score today. Visit warriorparentcoaching.com slash score because your transformation is the greatest gift you can give your child.